Hello, everybody. This is Jared Van Vorst. And my name is Nathan McWhorter. And I'm Daniel Fagbui, and welcome to Table Talk Thursdays, where we field all your burning questions, and we'd love to hear from you. And we'll be doing this every single week. So please send in your questions to my email, which is daniel.fagbui at livechurchcanton.org. Look forward to hearing from you. Happy Thursday, everybody. I'm pretty sure that I've said happy Thursday at the beginning of every single one of these, but hey, who knows? Um, I hope that you're doing well in quarantine. I'm coming to you live from my second bedroom in the clothes that I woke up in this morning. So that's where we're at in quarantine. My wife is in the room as well. If you hear laughing, that's her. Um, I hope that you're doing well. Uh, Also, if you hear uh, a worrying in the background, that's my computer exporting the video for this week's service. Um, So yeah, uh, if you watched our Easter stream last week, you saw that there was some glitches. Um, And let me tell you, I've I've had uh, some heart palpitations, but we got it squared away. Um, I'm thankful that you guys are engaging with what we're putting online. Um, This is another Table Talk Thursday. Truthfully, I was editing video. I wasn't paying uh, attention to what they were talking about, but I'm sure it's great. Um, And I hope that you guys enjoy it. Please continue to tune in as we broadcast on Facebook Live at 9.30 on Sundays. Make sure you're seeing us there. So hope you guys are well. Here's Table Talk Thursday. We are streaming live. My name's Nathan, and uh, I posed a question. Toilet paper over or under? And I'd like you to weigh in right now and your favorite kind of toilet paper. But as I posted it, people got really excited. Um, someone started talking about mullets, which doesn't make any sense to me, but it seems to be that over is winning. So if you're an under fan, you need to comment right now while you're at it, share this with people a little bit of time in the middle of the day. Um, and it also seems that most of the under people own cats. Uh, so the cats don't like, you know, get all the toilet paper off the roll when, and I, and I feel like that's a fixable issue. You just don't have cats because cats are the devil hot take. Anyways, if you have a hot take, put it in the comments below, uh, over or under, and uh, I will officially switch all the toilet paper in my home to whichever one works. So if uh, people living in my house, you might want to weigh in. Awesome. Cool. Well, welcome everybody to Table Talk Thursdays. We are excited to be with you live. We had a hiccup last week and we thank God that everything is working well. Uh, as As a reminder, all questions are welcomed here. Uh, questions about the most recent sermon, questions about life in general. And please remember to turn in all your questions by Tuesday evening. Any questions that are left over, even if you are gone, if you get it to us after Tuesday, we'll bring it up for the next show. And all live questions are welcome. Any live follow-ups are welcome. We'll get to that as soon as we can. And just some little uh, announcements to remember. Uh, look out for Touchpoint Tuesdays with Pastor Nathan, where he shares updates uh, that are crucial and important. So make sure you stay tuned for those and always visit our now page for any ministry offerings. And then remember to pray for our nation and our world, especially those who are currently quarantined uh, awaiting their test results. Please keep them in your prayers and pray for those who've lost their employment during this season. Uh, many people have are experiencing that um, sort of loss of employment, so keep them in your prayers. Keep reminder, uh, keep praying for the at-risk population, those who are on the front lines, 
all of our healthcare professionals. We thank you. We see you. We appreciate you. All the essential employees who are making life work, even in this season. Let's keep them in prayers. Let's keep the elderly in prayers. Let's keep those who have pre-existing conditions in our prayers. And Life Church, I just want to encourage you to continue. And I say continue because you are already doing this, and I'm thankful for you. I want you to continue to just reach out to each other, care for each other, whether it's a text, whatever you can. Send a carrier pigeon if you can, whatever you can, just to check in with people and see how they're doing. You <laughs> never know how much of an impact you'll make on someone's life. So, all right, well, we are back in effect with a group, and I know you're seeing a fourth face here, so we'll Ooh. get to that very soon. But uh, brothers, how are you guys doing? And sister, uh, how are you guys doing? How's it doing? How are you guys doing? Well, we're doing all right. Um, I, I, we're doing great here, having having a good time. The one thing we're struggling with is all the snow. Um, we feel like the snow is uh, slapping the face. We're ready to get outside. Um, you know, spending time inside has been been rough. But in general, we're doing great. Everyone's healthy and, and moving right along. So, praying. <laughs> Hoping for this season to be over soon, brother. Yes, 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 yes. And we're learning a lot in the season. I tell you one thing, man. The snow made me ask a deep theological question. You know, when Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> when Jesus uh, was, uh, somebody came to Jesus one time and they said to Jesus um, about the blind man, they said, who sinned, his mother or, or whatever. And, and so I, every time I look at the unique weather in Michigan, my first question is, Jesus, who sinned? Oh. Who who caused oh. this to happen? Could be a school in Ann Arbor. <laughs> it, it, I know it could be. It could be. You gotta I, watch those people not. from Ann Arbor. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it, it could not as well. Always gotta come back uh, to that. But yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. So I mean, we. I, I told my wife the first. Um, the first uh, time we had a great opportunity to walk, which seems such a long time ago because it's been cold recently. Uh, but we walked around the neighborhood and it, she felt drops and she was like, it's bright out here. It's not going to rain. It's, it usually doesn't rain when it's sunny. bright." I said, this is Michigan. I have literally <laughs> seen it bright and 80 degrees with rain and storming at the same time. And she was like, all right, whatever. We get halfway almost home and she says, Oh my goodness, it's about to rain. And so the same thing happened yesterday. It it's just never ceases to amaze me how from like 11 a.m. on it's snowing and, and, and just drizzy outside. And then at 6, 6 p.m., the sun comes out like it's 12 noon. So anyway, <laughs> uh, the theological question of the day for Michigan is who sinned? Um, so Jared, how are you, brother? Wow, there's so much to follow after that. I, that is a theological conundrum if I've ever heard one. I, you know, there's a reason why Jesus showed up to the Middle East. Uh, that's where God chose to send his son. Uh, however, I will say this. I lived in Minnesota for 13 years. If Jesus were to come to Minnesota um, and, and do his ministry there, I wonder how many more people would be like, I'm seriously going to consider the power of God. Uh, mm. but they might also think it to be foolish as well. But there's a scripture about that. That's for another time. I'm doing okay. Family's okay. Uh, I need to do a quick shout out to my buddy Luke and, um, and our softball team, the Wampers. Uh, we were supposed to have our first game this, this Sunday, but that's not mm. happening. The I just want to show you something real cool. Oh, Reverend. Okay. I got to pick, right, I got to pick my own, uh, my own nickname and i'm so i'm reverend number 34 that's kirby puckett's number all y'all here in detroit you know you, you're tiger fans so you wouldn't understand but i'm a twins fan 
Kirby Puckett was my favorite, but uh, we're, we're doing well. Happy to be here for Table Talk Thursday. Now, brother, with that yeah. reverend on the back of your jersey, are you allowed to talk trash on the field? You know, um, can you talk a trash? A different kind on? of trash. I'll just throw out like scripture okay. verses here and there, and nobody knows what I'm talking Got about. Got it. So it's all good. Can anything good happen from your town? You would say that to people. I feel you. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. Nothing it's not good can come. Sorry about that, folks. No. no, it's okay. But we're, we're doing well. I am super excited to finally have uh, someone of the female persuasion join this group. And, uh, and that is our good friend and co-worker, Abby Ironman. Abby, how are you doing? Guys, I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, thank you for snaps. Uh, I'm doing well. I, on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of cool. Maybe you get one of those. those <laughs> uh, no, I'm doing well. It's been a joy. I've been staying with my sister. So I've uh, gotten some really cool sister time we never would have had since we left nice. home. Um, so I've been very blessed by that. And uh yeah, just taking it one day at a time, honestly. One awesome. day at a time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, we, we brought Abby here for a very specific reason. She's been doing a great job as our youth director at Life Church, and, um, and she loves our, our youth, our students. She's trying so many different ways, uh, especially now in this unique season, to keep them engaged. Uh, she's got a huge, huge heart for our youth. And our love goes out to our seniors who are missing out on some major milestones. We're trying to figure out ways to care for them too. But Abby, I wanted to bring you on to ask you just a couple of questions. Just, just tell us a little bit about what's been going on. Uh, what have you been doing specifically with our youth to keep them engaged? Yeah, I mean, you were right when you said just trying to do anything uh, to keep them engaged. Uh, One of the main things we've been doing is we continue to meet on Wednesday nights for midweek, just like we would do in person. We've just moved it to Instagram Live um, and invited and tried to get engagement on comments. Um, Whenever a student pops up, I swear like five people say hello to them, which is so fun to see them call out their names. And um, we've just been going through some different series. Uh, We had stuff planned um, if we were meeting in person, but we kind of changed that a little bit. And we're like, hey, what do they need right now? So we've been tackling fear and anxiety and uh, kicked off a new series last night on self-care and what that really looks like as a Christ follower um, is spending time with God. So that's been really cool to kind of redefine that for them. Uh, And then we've been also doing Lunch with Life Youth on Monday and Friday afternoons. So similar thing, we've been talking about the discipline of prayer. And I'm really excited because next Monday we're kicking off sharing our testimonies. So kind of like a New Life weekend spinoff a little bit um, where students are actually going to practice their testimonies and we're going to talk about it kind of like in this kind of format um, and share how Jesus has changed their life. And I'm hoping it'll be a place for them to not only learn more about what that can look like, um, but also other students can experience stories and and learn and grow. Um, And we get some different faces than my own teaching uh, too, (laughs) because I'm kind of tired of hearing my voice, you know? (laughs) Um, So we're doing that. We're doing devos. We have small groups meeting on Zoom. Uh, We're hanging out and doing Zoom meetings for games. Um, Right now we're trying to promote and do an all virtual event a mystery party. Um, so it's kind of like a murder mystery where you come and have your character uh, and we go through a mystery and we solve it together. Um, so that registration is open right now on the events page. Um, hoping to do that for a middle school and a high school one. So uh, just trying to meet them, their spiritual needs, their community needs, relational needs. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so great. I, I'm so thankful, um, like I said already, your heart for the ministry, but then how that how that plays itself out in terms of how you're encouraging our students. And I I could just imagine if I were in high school at this time and, and man, the world's never really experienced anything like this, at least in our generation, what, what would I have done and how 
how would I have stayed engaged? And so I, I'm so appreciative of the things that you're doing to keep our kids, uh, our students encouraged in a very, very uncertain time. What, what have you noticed um, in this time, in these last few weeks? What has stuck out to you? What have you been reflecting on? What's been interesting to you? Just sort of an open-ended question or group of questions for you there. Yeah, one of the things I've been um, super excited about is how our small group leaders, our volunteers have been going to students, you know, creating um, group texts or Zoom meetings, um, whatever they can, you know, usually youth ministry students coming to us. And so now we get to go to them, just like Jesus went to people, um, which is super cool visual for teenagers trying to learn and experience who God is. Um, but our small group leaders and other volunteers have just done a phenomenal job creating spaces for students to connect with one another. One of the coolest things the students that didn't regularly come when we would be on Wednesday nights in person have been interacting in those places online, which I think is super powerful and exciting how God is going to continue to grow the ministry and use Life Youth to reach students, especially with such big schools around us. Um, so many students that aren't being reached uh, for hope have been able to come and kind of feel like they have a safe place to do that and start to, you know, engage on the level that they're comfortable with. So awesome. that's been something that's been most notable to me and that I keep trying trying to reframe how do we create spaces that students can, can check us out, can try something uh, and maybe step out of their comfort zone, but not as much as going and being in a, a group of people that, you know, have their own lingo and know what's going on and things like that. So I'm just really impressed by the team that I get to, to lead and serve alongside um, those committed youth workers with me. We have amazing people at Life Church that love students. Um, it's not just me. There's a, a big group of us. So I'm, I'm, I yeah. love them. I'm very encouraged by them too and their commitment to that students. Awesome. Um, would you tell us what, what is your next big thing? And, and as you're thinking about sharing that with us, um, I know you mentioned a, a couple different channels or avenues in which you are finding ways to connect with students. So I'm going to actually put those links in the comment section right now so that people um, can, can have access to those. I'll also post the link to the ministry offerings that are happening in the whole church, but then they can also look and see what's underneath the heading for Life Youth specifically. But uh, tell us, what, what's the next big thing that you absolutely want to make sure that our people know about? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, would love to share that with you. But um, if, if anybody, any parent misses us or anything, um, the next thing we're launching is this thing called Remind. So teachers actually use it for their classes. They can text students and remind them turn in an assignment or bring something to class. And I know that parents, especially now with increased um, school assignments, they're getting more and more emails. And I didn't want youth uh, life youth email to be another thing they had to do. So you can actually sign up for a text message to be received from me um, and get reminders on the things that are coming. So like, hey, don't forget to register for this. We're meeting in 10 minutes. Um, so that parents have a more accessible way to just get a quick free text on their phone. Doesn't cost anything. Um, they just text that number and sign up uh, that Jared's going to put in the comments. Um, and you get to be part of our uh, texting group and I can do it for students for middle school and high school too. It's just an easier way to get communication right away. So that next big thing that we're doing though is that mystery party is happening next Thursday on April 23rd. So we're choosing between a couple mysteries. We're trying to figure out how many people sign up the best one to serve our group. Um, but we're going to pick a ministry or mystery and then um, you get assigned a character and then together we get to work together to, to solve that ministry or that, that mystery. I don't know why I keep saying that. 
um, talking too much online, honestly. I'm my <laughs> mouth is dry for weeks now, but <laughs> yeah. ministry um, and mystery are one and the same. It's the I, same I'm thing. amen. So, you know, so there is a mystery to ministry, and there's a ministry in in mystery. So that's right. Uh, Thank you, Daniel. And a, and a misery as well. Um, so, Abby, qu- quick question. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, as I'm thinking about how you're doing such an incredible job. Um, taking care of our students and and pulling in even students who maybe weren't even involved in our church before. The question I'm asking is, uh, as a student or as a parent of a student or a parent of kids or a parent in general, or just anyone in the church who wants to partner with you, what could we do to invite people? What's the best way to, what event, what thing can we do to invite um, other parents who have students or students specifically, what would you want them to to show up at? What would you think is, this is so focused on people who are new. What is like that open front door thing that when those who are listening, you know, the hundreds of people who are going to be listening to this either live or on the podcast or later, what would you want them to to do if they wanted to support us reaching students within the church and outside of the church? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the ways to experience us is coming and joining us on Instagram Live on, on Wednesday um, at midweek. We're actually going to be transitioning to YouTube next week. Um, so that information is going to be on our Facebook page, which Jared linked in the comments. Um, but YouTube, as we were learning and trying a lot of different things, we just found like that YouTube is more accessible to so many students, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't necessarily have to have the app on their phone. They can just go to the website and they don't necessarily even have to have an account to interact with us, um, to subscribe. And I just felt like it was, um, you know, even if parents were a little worried, they could put it on the TV and, and kind of watch along with their student what's going on. So not only for safety, peace of mind for parents and more accessibility uh, was as an option to do that. So next week we'll be launching on Monday, going to you, our YouTube channel, which is also in the comments. Uh, so midweek on Wednesday at 6.30 is a great place to do that. Um, it'll be a place where we're continuing to experience worship. We have students that are leading us, joining our conversations and leading us in worship still, which is one of my favorite things. Um, and then we also have a games afterward on Zoom for people to start to get to know some new people if they're ready to take that step. Um, but that's really a key place to learn more of our heart and uh, kind of interact with some of our people. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Abby, I, I, I really appreciate you being here. I think um... I was um I had a privilege to be on um uh the WMUZ yesterday and he was talking about this virtual mystery thing and I was like this is super exciting. I want to go to there. And then you're like, it's at your church. I was like, oh, I'm already excited. I was like, wait, wait. And, and that speaks to the fact that we have so many great things going on, right? Life yeah. Kids, they're meeting on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. And all this stuff with Life Journey online as well. Super excited about all those things. But my question for you is, and, I th- and, and as we are rethinking, all of this right all this season is making us rethink church in a very true way um how do you see this continuing after covid after whatever this sort of virtual ability to connect during the week do do you see that continuing how so yeah great question we've actually had as a team come up with so many ideas how about 
how this can continue to move forward. Uh, and we haven't landed on one specifically yet, but Daniel, I can guarantee that there is going to be a way to continue, not just meeting on Wednesday or seeing over the weekend, but there are gonna be different things for students to interact with throughout the week. And my hope is that students are actually a part of making that happen, whether that's us posting more on our YouTube channel and that we have students that are on there uh, or different videos that they're sharing or even make, taking courses together, you know, maybe specifically studying and doing um, virtual Bible studies on Zoom or something like that. There are gonna be so many options. Um, so I love that question. I want everyone to stay tuned on that and to know that um, students and families, we invite them to shape the ministry, right? We exist to serve them. And so any needs or ideas, we're always open to allowing people to pour back in and to, to be the church and to own their own ministry too. So hoping that our student leadership team speaks into that, our volunteers speak into that, and families as well, because uh, we're always looking for new ways to meet, to meet them where they're at. Amen. Amen. Oh, Pastor Jerry, you got more questions for, for our, our lovely sister? No, I just I want to remind everybody to keep praying for, for Abby. I mean, um, you know, the three of us guys are, are tend, tend to be the faces that people see the most, uh, but we have so many other people and teams and volunteers and staff that are working at different levels, and it's easy to forget about that. And so that was also another reason why we wanted to bring Abby and her face to this so that you can all see um, and, and put a face to the activity that is going on in the ministry that's happening. So keep praying for Abby. Uh, those of you that are watching right now, the 68 devices that are connected and all of those um, others that will watch this afterward, keep praying for our youth, our kids. Uh, we're so grateful for those prayers as well. But Abby, thank you for the work that you're doing and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks guys. Thanks so much for having me. It was an honor to be with y'all. Oh, look at that. Oh, it's not playing. Over here. There it is. There it is. There it's it is. all for you, Abby. <laughs> I'll take it off. So <laughs> janky. Yeah, no. Was that Love studio applause? Yeah. Uh, brother, I'm not giving up my secrets. These are trade secrets, brother. I can't oh tell people my secrets. We can see you. Wow. <laughs> think you can see it could Hell, be a decoy. Yeah, true 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 decoy. no uh but also um yeah no super exciting to see what they're doing man how they're um in in, in pastor nathan's word how they're going after is it getting after it I, I love that phrase getting after it um so it's super sweet to see those things also want to plug uh that this sunday we are having our very first men's ministry meeting uh which will be at 7 p.m uh, it's going to be a great time for all of us men at Life Church to just to connect to talk about the future of men's ministry. So, if you are a male or you know any men uh, from Life Church, please invite them down. Um, we will be on Zoom. And so, if you have any questions about the contact information from that, please feel free to reach out to me uh, on my email, which is daniel.fagbui at lifechurchcanton.org. It's going to be a great time to encourage each other. We're not going to take too much time, but we're just going to get right to it and hopefully create a, a relationship that will last uh, for eternity, God willing, uh, with all the men encouraging each other. Well, we have had uh, a great guest and um, we are looking forward to more of those um, um, guests coming in and, and connecting with us. Um, so we've got questions, folks. We've got questions from last week that we need to get into. And first up is myself. Uh, and this was an anonymous, anonymous question. And the question was, and again, feel free to put any follow-up questions in the, um, in the Facebook comment section, and we will get to that as soon as we can. The, first, the question here, the first question for today from an anonymous person is, I am wondering 
if some of the fears might be alleviated if people had a better understanding of the end times. And the person goes further to say, for example, is COVID-19 an example of pestilence? And so it seems like the underneath this question is the notion that people are fearful and afraid and anxious, whatever term you want to put, um, because of COVID-19. And the, this, this caller or emailer says, I wonder if people understood the end times um, better um, if this would alleviate fears. So let's talk about that for a second. Well, how are we defining pestilence? Uh, and so a generic definition of pestilence comes from the dictionary which is basically a pestilence is any kind of fatal uh, epidemic or pandemic. Um, and it usually talks about the bubonic plague or the black plague, things of that nature. So in a classic sense of the word, um, is COVID-19 a pestilence? Uh, yeah, it's an epidemic and it's actually now an, a pandemic, which is higher and broader. So from that perspective, yes. And from the perspective of end times, if we're talking about being aware of the trajectory of, of our sort of spiritual history, where we're going in God, um, then yes, we should be aware of those things. Um, you know, I, I'm always reminded of the men of Issachar in First Chronicles chapter 12, who the, the greatest moniker that they have, the greatest title that they have, these brothers show up nowhere else um, in terms of a long description of them. It says they were people who understood the times and had knowledge of what Israel should do. And so in a true sense, we Christians should have knowledge of the times. We have God's word that speaks to us about past, present, and future things. And so it's great to have those things. And not only did these men know the times and understood the times, but they also knew what to do. And so those of us who are preachers, those of us who are ministers, typically are the ones that people look to, but God's word is what we all look to. And so I would encourage people, yes, so far as it encourages your soul, um, so far as it causes you to push into God, then yes, please become familiar with the trajectory of human history and where it is going and where it's ending in God. Now, that being said, here's a caveat. If you are prone to fear anyway, and you are prone to anxiety, some of those things may cause increased fears, uh, especially as you're looking into Revelation and, and the things that are going to happen, depending on where you are in Christ, depending on where you are, period, and the things that you can handle so you know what you can handle. So rather than actually having people um, focus on the end times, I'd rather focus on God. I'd rather focus on the character and the nature of God. Those are the things that never change. History changes, eras change, epochs change. Uh, there's changes in season. There's changes in time and consequence. It's COVID today could be something else. God forbid tomorrow. It was black plague, it was bubonic plague, it was Spanish plague, it was all these other things in the past. And if you're focusing in on just uh, just the, the circumstances that are happening, you, you find yourself fluctuating, your emotions will fluctuate. So I would rather call people to focus on God, the character of God, the, 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 the indisputable facts about who God is. So knowledge of whose we are, which is we belong to God, should and does alleviate worry. You see that in all through scripture. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible talks about God hasn't destined us to wrath, but to salvation in Jesus Christ. Well, that 
that should evoke some sense of joy, peace, and relief that there is a God who has not destined you to wrath, but destined you to salvation, destined you to eternal peace in him and calling you to rest in him. Or even when you look at Matthew chapter six, where we hear about the pagans who run after these earthly things and are, are, are more enamored by the circumstances of the day rather than God, the Bible calls us to focus on God, our benevolent Father who loves us. So yes, in a true sense, in a basic sense, in a classic sense, pestilence, yes, this is a pestilence, right? It is a fatal epidemic, not even epidemic, but it's actually pandemic uh, that is ravaging our world and, and could get worse, and we're praying it doesn't, and that's our hope. Now, the, the meta-narrative or the beneath tone of this is, is this a pestilence as in you're talking Exodus, God brought this on. That's another comment that has to go into the judgment of God and the justice of God. And that, that's a few more, a few more questions that are coming that will deal with that. Uh, but again, just quick answer. This is a pestilence. Yes. Uh, focusing on end times could help. Sure. Read the Bible, read what the Bible has to say. That's great. But rather focus on God, anchor your faith, in your trust in a person of who God is, the character of God, the immutability of God, right? That he doesn't change. We keep hitting that word because that word is true, that God does not change. No one can change him. No one can influence him. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So focus on God. So our next question yeah. that we have up is Pastor Jared. It's for me. Daniel, thank you for explaining that too. And I think when we look at the scriptures, one of the things that you're going to see even Jesus himself saying is no one knows the hour, the time that this is going to happen except for the Father. Jesus doesn't even know it apparently. And so in some ways, and I don't mean this bad, uh, but how arrogant of me to think, well, I mean, Jesus didn't know, but I do, and I can look at the signs, and so therefore I can interpret them and decide for myself what, you know, end is going to look like, what the end is That's going to reminder. look like. So it's just, it's it's a reminder to say, if God, if the Father is the only one that knows, then yes, like you said, why not I just focus on God, on the Father? Yeah. So uh, thank you for, for going after that. And I also put in a link to a blog about, um, some end times thoughts as well, some other ideas as well, and some resources. But the question that was posed to me is uh, more of a logistical question. Uh, Julie had asked, can you expand on how benevolence funds are distributed? How is it determined who gets what? Is it just money they receive? How do you find out about who needs help? So uh, I can answer that fairly quickly, actually. Um, we do, for those of you who don't know, we do have a benevolence fund that you can give to. In just a second, I'll uh, post the link to go there if you are interested in wanting to give to that. But it's it's for people who are are in need of some additional help in a, a financial realm or paying some bills, um, things of that nature, needing supplies. Uh, how it's determined is is. Uh, it's a lot of prayer and discernment, but we also have a bit of a process to try to understand what the need is. In terms of how we're even receiving that need, it comes in through a variety of different ways. We have a couple of staff members uh, that get reached out to that people will email or call and uh, and and declare whatever it is that their need is. Uh, sometimes it does come through through a prayer request. Somebody might mention something that um, that alludes to the fact that they're in need of some of some support uh, in terms of supplies or, or financial need. 
Um, but here's, here's one of the things that I can tell you for sure is that we do not give direct money to, to anybody. Instead, we try to uh, allocate those funds to pay bills directly or to go out and buy supplies directly and then get those supplies to the people in need. We just have found that that's the, the healthiest and most honoring uh, and stewarding way of going uh, about that. So that's, that's the quick, short answer. Um, we are so thankful for those of you who have decided to go above and beyond to give to benevolence to, to ensure that the church um, is, is cared for as well as people beyond the church um, because we're not just caring for our own. We recognize that, that all people are all God's people. And so we want to do whatever we can to identify those needs beyond just our, our small circle. So I'm going to post that link here in just a moment. And before we move to the next question, our sister Dana said, can we pray for her? She's on her way to visit her mother. And uh, sister, we will be praying for you. We saw that. We've noted that. And we will continue to pray for that. We hope everything goes well. And drop us a note. Let us know how the visit went. We pray it goes well. Our next question, uh, Pastor Nathan. Yeah, I want to I read it. It's from Neil. And really well thought out question. I want to read it in its entirety and do my best to answer it. And it's going to play off of what you've already heard about the end times. And thank you. Uh, there are portions I don't have to talk about anymore because you guys covered it really well. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. Uh, during times of crisis like this, I personally get frustrated when I hear Christians, especially those in positions of leadership and influence, saying that God is punishing us for something. For example, our country is getting punished for homosexuality or abortion or even racism. And since there are examples from scripture, especially in the Old Testament, of God doing just that in certain circumstances, I find it difficult to discuss or argue against someone who's really passionate about it. And so I just nod my head and act concerned and walk away frustrated because I didn't have a good response. Another thing I hear every time something like this happens is it's a sign of the end times which also frustrates me because I feel like that's a meaningless distraction from what we should really be focusing on as Christians. So what is your official pastoral theological position on all that? How do I and we as Christians respond? Or am I the one who needs to get educated here? I'm also open, I hope, to the possibility that I'm the problem. I'm the one who needs to change my thinking along these lines. Man, I, what an incredible question. Well Humble, thought out. Yeah. Well thought out. Man, that's good. And I think it's completely relevant to where we're at right now. I'm going to expand just a hair, and uh, we're not necessarily going to be talking about this, but what I am noticing as pastor of this church is that um, as the quarantine uh, shelter at home, I should say, expands or increases, uh, we're coming a little more divided about our opinions on whether it is right or is wrong. And uh, there can be frustration. I bring it up simply because um, what I sense from Neil is this desire to have healthy dialogue. And I want to encourage everyone in our church to be conscious of healthy dialogue. Healthy dialogue is what we're doing right now. We can see each other. It's even better if we were in person. Healthy dialogue is not, is not necessarily making aggressive stances on Facebook. That's venting. And venting doesn't always bring unity. Um, learn to have good dialogue together. And so I, I, I love the heart of this. Like, let's have a dialogue about if this is uh, uh, God and, and, and what, what is going on here. And we've talked about a few things. And this is a huge question. It requires more time than we have. But what's my official position on all of this? Well, 
the world is full of sin. Sin has infiltrated the world physically, spiritually, and in all ways. And sin causes pain, death, and disease. What we're experiencing right now is a result of the choice that was made and our continued choice to turn away from God's plan. And so sin is the consequence. And sin results in death and disease and pain and pandemics. This is what it what happens because of this. So my opinion is this makes sense to me because this is what we've been living in since the fall. Um, things will continue to deteriorate in our world until and only if God were to intervene and he has intervened. And he's intervened through Jesus. He's intervened through Jesus, which wipes away our sin and also allows us to connect to God again. And he gives us the ministry of reconciliation and restoration. So he has intervened in the midst of this, and, and God wants to use us to bring hope and life to people. And that is our responsibility, and that's what we're going to do. Eventually, he's going to wipe out every tear, every pain, every suffering. And so is this God's judgment? Uh, yeah, because sin is the judgment meaning that we've already been under this judgment. For those of us who know Jesus Christ, we've been um, you know, freed spiritually. Uh, physically, we're still um, dealing with what's going on in this world. I know we talked a lot about can Christians get COVID, and I think it's pretty evident that they can. <laughs> um, but as far as the end times. Sadly. Sadly, yeah. I um, won't get into that. It's another trail. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as the end times, uh, we've been in the end times for 2000 some years that was the understanding of the of the apostles was that he's coming back and that is the attitude of our hearts in 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 the eyes of god the time between when jesus you know rose again and where we're at it could be almost insignificant almost nothing to us it feels like forever um, god has given us though the right attitude in the midst of all these times uh, to love people and bring his kingdom um, more onto the earth, be part of his kingdom coming. And, you know, in this process, uh, proclaim the gospel. Uh, we're not here to escape the world. That's not our job. Our job is to change the world. And that is physically and spiritually um, in all ways. It says that no one knows. We already talked about the time and date. You know, it, it always cracks me up because there'll be people who will set a date. On this day, Jesus is coming back. I'm like, well, scripturally, you set a day, so it's not going to be that day because you yeah. just... Like, I just illogical to me. I get it. I, I, I think it does distract um, uh, from what we're trying to do. We're not trying to escape this world, really. I mean, yes, we're escaping sin and brokenness and pain and death, and God's going to bring that, but that's not our role. Our role is to be used by God. There's a song that's coming out from um, uh, Elevation Church. It's out right now. You can listen to it. I think it's from the Graves to the Garden is the name of it. And he says, uh, um, if I'm not dead, he's not done. And I love that idea of that we have submitted our lives to Jesus and that he wants to use us to love people in the midst of this and to make changes in this world. We have submitted our lives to him. We're not trying to escape the world necessarily. We're trying to be used by God until he determines it's time for us to come home or he's going to come back. And we have a message of hope for everyone. And, and why do I share all that? I share all that because to answer this question, how do I talk to people? Um, here's, here's what I would say. I would say, yes, God has given us this attitude that the end is coming and people are suffering and dying. And we know that he's going to return. 
So how are we taking what we see, whether you see it as end times or not, as impetus to love people, to speak truth? Uh, I can't help but think about Easter and the message that it talked about, how in the midst of pestilence and pandemic and devastation, a message of hope came. And Jesus was that message to us and that we can be that message to others. And then in Isaiah, we can be the beautiful feet the beautiful feet of the one who brings the good news. Um, You know, if you want to get it, if you have the relationship to talk about it and like, okay, so what are you doing to draw people to Christ? Are you just waiting for God to judge people? Are you like just waiting for people to show up and be like, yeah, great. See, if we hadn't had as many abortions in this country, country, then we wouldn't, we wouldn't have this pandemic happening to us. Like it, it, to me, it is a wasted energy. You should be going after people and saying, God loves you. He cares about you. And there's brokenness and hurt and pain in this world. And he has a solution for it. One thing I want to say too, and it's ironic, I already prepared to talk about it, but we have someone listening who's from Haiti. Um, what is happening in America versus what is happening in Haiti is very, very different. And let's take it even a step further. I'm not single out Haiti, but there are countries where people are dying of starvation over and over and over again. And there's a little bit of our shelteredness that's saying like, oh, look, see, it's a pandemic. When sin and desolation is happening on a global scale, just not something that we can see. And yet we don't care about it unless it means we can't go to the grocery store when we want to. And I, and I want to call us out, not so that we feel bad, but we recognize that sin is running rampant through our world already and that we have a ministry of reconciliation and love for people. And that's our call. Point them back to the cross, like Daniel said. Point them back to our Savior in the midst of anxiety and say, what are you doing to be the beautiful feet? How are you carrying the good news that though this world may be in its end season, whether it is or not, I, I, I don't know. I know it's been in the end season so, since Jesus ascended. Okay. Though we're in the midst yeah. of that, though we're in the midst of that, you have the same charge to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And I am with you, even to the end of whatever age we are in. Amen. That's all I have to yeah, say I mean, about that. Yeah, no, no I, listen, one of the, one of our, our heart, I'll say our heart for this yeah. is we don't want to treat this venue as quick answers. No. Um, some things need to be talked out. And if we spend our lifetime doing that, that's the call. And, and brother, I'm excited you said that. I think there's a lot of things that pull even in my heart as you're saying that. Um, you know, I, I'm often reminded of Jesus in Luke 13. Um, where they come to him and say, Pilate killed these many people and da 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 killed these many people mm-hmm. and essentially is it their sin. And Jesus didn't spend any time talking about the justness of their death. He spent this time saying, you need to focus and you repent or you'll perish. Um, essentially, the point is, man, if you are uh, looking at people who are dying and your heartbeat is, yep, that's God's judgment on them. Right. Brother, that says a lot of things about you. Sister and brother, that says a lot more about you than yeah. it does about them. Yeah. That's never been the heart of the apostles. Um, they, I think, very balancedly, because sometimes we have certain people who preach the love of God, love of God, and right. never talk about the wrath of God and the judgment of God. And I was blessed to hear you talk about that because, folks, we're not trying to let God off any hook. Uh-uh. It's God. Uh, and and the 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 sort of sin of humanity, the fall of humanity is huge. We live in a fallen world. 
Yes. And, and, and a lot of stuff that is accounted to as spiritual evil or moral evil is just natural evil of a fallen world. Diseases and pestilence and whatever else you want to call them are just natural stuff. You jump off a bridge, you will fall. Like, you will fall, you may hurt yourself. That's natural. Those are the things that happen in our society. So, so I thank you for um, talking through that because I think it needs to be heard um, and needs to be said. And you did bring out something that I think is just a good point uh, of just, um, you know, about the end times us being in the end times. Um, I find it funny, though, because whenever we talk about that to certain people who don't believe it, they're like, oh, so it's been the end times for 2,000 years. And then the same person, I'm talking to them, and they believe in alternate universe from Marvel. Um, so it's like, wait, <laughs> you, you, you believe in alternate universes, but you don't believe in, in God's you know, view of time being not lineal, but he's eternal. Anyway, so I just thought that was interesting. Uh, so what's our next question? <laughs> Let's look at our next question. Our next question is me. Okay, cool. All right, so let's see how much time do we have. All right, hopefully we can get through this. So this question is from our sister, Julie Odino. Um, and um, this is a two-part question. So I think we're going to do the first part because we might just uh, not have enough time for the second part. And then I can ask my brothers to chime in uh, with thoughts on this question. But our first question, uh, Julie says, 2 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, sorry, sorry, chapter 7, verse is 13 through 16. Um, so many people, she says, are quoting this verse, um, and she, she says, so it's been quoted, so many people have been quoting this verse during this time, and I'm struggling with it. So, so that's, uh, Second Chronicles, and Chronicles. I think it's helpful to read it, because I wonder if we all know, what, I'm sure that many of us know the verse, because we, it, I get it, this and, um, Jeremiah, 17 i know the plans that i have for you or 29 are, are one of the most quoted verses i'm daniel I'm can i get you to 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 uh make sure you speak into the mic or, or can you hear me? just yeah it's much better right, we just cool. there you are sorry about that some... okay can you guys hear Test second chronicles what yeah yeah second chronicles uh chapter 7 verse 13 through 16 Thank you. And really, 14 is the one that's always, always quoted. And um, I, so I'm, I'm going to read it. Oh, did you want to read that, Pastor Nathan? Oh, I, I mean, I can. I don't mind. Yeah. It's totally I, up to I, you. I, sweet. What version do you have? I have the NIV in front of me. Yes. Let's go with you. Let's go with you because I think that's a little more readable. Thir so uh, 13 through 16. Yeah. 7, 13 through 16. Got it. Yes, sir. Second Chronicles. Mm -hmm. Second Chronicles. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Amen. Thank you, brother. So the first thing to say, and this is actually going to be helpful as we start our new series on Ephesians, because we're going to be walking through the Bible and we're going to be showing the text in its normal context. So the first thing, just to answer the question, um, you know, and when we talk about in today's world, when we're talking about finance, we usually say cash is king. And when it comes to the Bible and understanding the Bible, context is king. 
Context is rules the day. It's helpful. And context breaks up into multiple different ways. So, so we have historical context, right? The history of the people and of the writer and of the text, uh, the history of the place that they're being talked about, uh, the historical facts that have to do with that. That's helpful, folks, because that can, that can really color how you understand a text. The next is cultural context, the culture of the people. Uh, what do they mean by what they say? It, we cannot take for granted that the word we are using is the same understanding they had to it. Words have what we call uh, soon chronic and diachronic uh, usages. And what I mean by that is a word will change with time or in every single time that word has a different meaning than you can understand. Uh, there's literary context, right? Or the larger context of the book. What genre of the book is written? Is it poetry? Uh, is it hyperbole? Is it parallelism? So those are all important things. And, and I'm not saying this to make it harder for you to understand the scripture, but I want us to have sort of a respect for scripture because then it, it helps us to understand this passage and any other passage, really. Then there's the immediate context. And then when you're doing that, you have to deal with what's called the authorial intent. What did the author mean or the original audience? What did the original audience understand by what was being written? So now, taking in its original context, I want to be clear when I say this. In its original context, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 13 through 14 is not a promise for America. It's not really a promise for any nation other than the nation of Israel. Uh, this passage is a callback, a reiteration to the covenant, the, the bereath, as it were, the covenant that God had with Israel. God made a covenant with Israel. You see that even in this text, right? He says, this place. Well, what place is it? You have to ask that question, right? So when we're talking about Bible study, we're asking questions about the who, what, when, and where, right? So where is this place? This place is Jerusalem. So he's already narrowing down to the space where he's talking to. And then you got to ask yourself, who is he talking to? He's talking to Solomon, the king king of Israel. And who is Solomon talking to or who is Solomon referring to? He's referring to the people of God, Israel. And so, so, so what you find here really is a callback to the covenant that God, who is the sovereign, has with what we'll call vassals, right? He's a vassal. It's a one-way street, not a mutual agreement. He is saying, if you do this, as I've saved you, I've redeemed you, if you do this, then I will do this. So, so, so the sort of, it, it's what we, in a way, in a lesser way, this is what we have with the, with our country, right? The, the, the government will do this because you are a citizen of that country. You, this great example of this is in Deuteronomy chapter 28. The larger context of Second Chronicles really starts in chapter one. And it's hard because sometimes we will take a passage and we'll run with it. We don't watch movies that way. We don't read books that way. You don't go to chapter nine of a book and then assume you understand the whole book, right? So, so it's helpful to, to see this as a cohesive book. So if the greater context of Second Chronicles chapter seven is all the way starts in Second Chronicles. Now you can even have a biblical context, which it takes the entire book itself, but you start there, you work your way down, and, and then the immediate context could even be found in verse 12, right? And what you will find in verse 12, or even as you read through this text with the broader context in mind, is that you will see a real and a specific historical event, the dedication of the temple of God in Jerusalem. It's not speaking of America. It's not speaking of any other country. It's talking about the chosen people of God. So the temple is not the same as the church. You can't 
do what's called replacement theology, right? You can't do uh, supplanting theology where you you sort of remove the history of the people of Israel and usurp that as the church's history. We are connected in Christ, but but you've got to be careful how you understand that. The temple was the house where God's visible presence, right, lived and dwelled. Now in the New Testament, we understand that through Christ, we all are the temple. That's why we always say the church is not a building, it's the people, because we are all, you see that in First Peter, right, that we are all the temple of God. In the New Testament, the Christian is a temple. So in this passage, you see a real and specific historical event. You see real and specific people, right? The Israelites, the people of God, and you see real and specific place, the temple of God in Jerusalem. So there's no way that this passage is speaking now. Now, it's not speaking directly to us, but as we know, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 speaks about how all of these events that happened in the Old Testament were typologies, and they were examples to show us who God is and who we are, to show us the history of God's people. Usually when I approach a text, let me say it this way. I approach a text asking this question. Beyond the historical context, beyond once I've gotten through that and I understand what this means for those people at that time, I ask, the, I ask these questions. What can I learn about God in this text? And what can I learn about me? or humans in this text. So, so, so the sort of broader principle is, what exactly can I learn? Now in this text, we learn that God is sovereign because he's the one that's saying, I can do and undo. I can make this happen. I can keep you in the land or I can't. So the sovereignty of God is displayed here. Well, what about the omnipotence of God? That's displayed here, that he's powerful enough to do it. He not only has the final say, he not only can speak authoritatively, but he can actually make it happen. You also see the benevolence of God here that God is good, that he would even be willing to border with human beings, that the sovereign God, the omnipotent God who has all the power in the world would even say, if you do this, I'll bless you. That's a, that's a, that's a means of grace from God. But you also see that God talks about how he will continue to abide with them. If you know the history of Israel, they vacillated. They would be hot for God and then cold. It'll be hot for God and they'll cold. In fact, it, there's a cycle that you see throughout the Old Testament where they would rebel against God, they will go into bondage, and then God will free them, they will submit to God, and then they will rebel again, and go back into bondage, God will free them, they will submit, and then they will, re- so you see the cycle, but, but you also see on display here another attribute of God, another character of God, God is faithful, absolutely faithful, and lastly, another thing I see in this text is the omniscience of God, it's that he knows everything, he knew what they would do, and in fact, Solomon talks about how he understands all things, so so, so when I approach a text, I'm looking, after I've gone through what this text means to the original people, to the original context, in its original context, then I'm asking these sort of uh, timeless principles, if you will, the sovereignty of God is on display. Who is God in this text? And, and what do I learn about me as a human being and about human beings in general? Is that in general, we are subservient to God. He is sovereign. We are subservient. What else do I learn? I learned that however potent that we think we are, however strong we think we are, however much power we think we are, we are still impotent compared to God. I also learned that we are naturally malevolent in a sense, right? The heart is desperately wicked. You see that play out in this text where they continue to sin against God. Hence the the promise, really, the conviction of God saying, if you turn from your wicked ways, if you do this, if you do that, then I will hear you. God basically saying, and and the the assumption here, the meta-narrative here should be, 
well, I don't have the power to change myself, God. How can you help me? That's, that, that's going to bring us to our sort of last point. What else do I learn about human beings in this text? I learned that we are naturally unfaithful, especially in comparison to God. I learned that the God who is omniscient, when we pull our knowledge against his knowledge, we are wholly ignorant. And so those are timeless principles that, that I can hold on to from a text that wasn't originally written to me, but was written through the mind of God in a way that still affects me and is relevant today. So one of the timeless principles that I would pull, the big picture I would pull out of this text is that the correct response to God should always be humility and hunger. Humility before him and hunger for him. And that's what he does, does, right? He says, my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves, seek after me, essentially, then I will hear them. So from a very broad picture perspective, this passage connects to us in the sense that rather than wondering, perhaps, about the nature of pestilence and the nature of all things, let's be humble or even laughing or being, uh, or perhaps being happy that God is judging certain people or or even judging our country, the approach is humility and hunger for God and to also create an atmosphere where others can be humbled before God and hunger yeah. for God. And so if I was looking at this, that's what I would be looking at. But in a very true sense, um, sister, and I love this question, this is a great question, is, no, this is not a passage for America to claim or any country per, per se. The only people who can really claim this passage is Israel. But there are timeless principles that we pull out of this to see who we are and whose we are and what God is calling us to do. Well, that's it for me, brothers. You got any thoughts on that as we round up today? Jared, do you have something? Yeah, I think. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, uh, one of the things I uh, like to have as a principle is reading the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. So, what what things does Jesus carry over into the New Testament? Um, how does he behave? How does he talk? How does he um, work through crisis and work through some of the things that the Pharisees bring before him and test him literally says, you know, we're going to test you. Just what are you going to do with this? What about this situation? They try to trap him into these situations and he always finds the third way. And, um, and so, uh, for the, for the beginner Bible reader, um, that's usually a good qualifier for me that I try to encourage people. If they're reading the Bible for the very first time, Start, start by understanding Jesus. That's going to give you a great picture of who God is. If you're going to go through the Old Testament, then put on those Jesus lenses and read the Old Testament through, through the lens of Jesus. It's not a fix-all. It's not a cure-all, but it's a, it's a good start uh, because everything you said, Daniel, I agree with context is important. Literary structure, genre is important. Um, but that, that's just a quick answer because I know we're running out of time. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Good. Good. Yeah, I, I would just say kind of to sum up a lot of the things, and I think Daniel did a good job at the end of your conversation talking about the conversation we've been having as a whole today, mm -hmm. closing out kind of that thought. Um, what if? What if we are coming close to Jesus returning? Mm -hmm. um, the answer should be a desire in our hearts to speak truth to people and love. You know, there's a, there's a man, I told this story, I think a long time ago, but there's a man who was, he stole things and he killed people and it was bad and he was going to get hung and a priest was walking before him, walking ahead of him 
to the place where he would be hung and die. And he was reading last rites to him. And this guy stopped him and said very angrily, do you actually believe what you're saying to me? Mm. Because if I believed what you were saying to me about Jesus, I would crawl on hands and knees on broken glass across all of England to tell one person of the hope that I had found. And then the, the priest said, didn't know what to do. He went on, the guy died. <laughs> he was hung and dead. Wow. He probably didn't believe. Why? Because he saw right through this priest. So the question is, when people look at you during this time, what are they seeing? Hmm. Are they seeing Jesus? Because if they are, um, you have an opportunity to love people in a way that we might not be able to if this pandemic wasn't here. Uh, so keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Keep yourself humble, realizing we need him. And uh, rem remember that our, the attitude of our heart should be to seek God fervently and to love people deeply. Um, and a reminder just that you're beautiful. You have beautiful feet. All of you have beautiful feet. And what that means, if you don't know, go watch the Easter message, share it with some people. <laughs> but you have beautiful feet. You have something to give to people who are who are wondering these questions, um, and they're looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well said, brothers. Um, I know that we are all looking forward to this new series we're starting, um, and I think it's gonna be a great opportunity to walk through God's heart and mind, which captures, I think. Well, does he? No, he doesn't capture. We capture. <laughs> we capture what he's wrote, and in, in all of what we've said today. And I think if we were gonna say. We're going to leave you uh, with a pithy phrase. I'm going to do lightning round. We didn't plan for this. I'm, I'm putting us all on the spot. But lightning round. <laughs> if there was one phrase you want people to hold on to, one statement, um, what would it be? And so I'll start off. Uh, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, and you would be surprised what you see. Absolutely. Good for Nathan. <laughs> He's working on his. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I don't got anything else. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I was asking for all you of us. You all from all of us. Oh, yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I, that's I, what I, I think. So you said fix your eyes on Jesus. Um, yes. For me, you'd be, surprised I, I, what you see. I, you'd be surprised what you see. I said yeah. uh, uh, take advantage of the fact that you have a message that the world needs and mm. tell people. Tell people yeah. about Jesus. Yeah. I would say, uh, come and see what Jesus is like. Mm, amen. Well, folks, it has been a pleasure. There are a few other questions in there. One of them will be on tap for next week, which is, have any of us healed someone? Woohoo! I'm looking forward to getting to that one. Uh, that's oh, yeah. a good question. That's great. That's a cliffhanger <laughs> yeah. right there. Uh, that's a cliffhanger <laughs> if I've ever seen one. And we are hoping to get a special guest next week to discuss uh, depression. And so, um, depending on what that looks like, folks, the next episode, we will be talking about depression, anxiety, and mental health in general. Um, and, um, and really, we'll also bridge the gap between mental health and spiritual health and how they're not separate, but they are together. And we are holistic people. So we look forward to that, folks. Your questions that are in the comments section, we will answer. Uh, we will put that on tap for next week. Um, and we love you guys for being here. Um, what else do I want to talk about? Uh, make sure Tuesdays, 
uh, updates from Pastor Nathan, Table Talk Thursdays. This Sunday coming up, men's ministry. We're going to meet all the men of Life Church, connect together. Let's pray together. Let's encourage each other and talk about the future of this ministry. I think yeah. that's it, folks. Brothers, anything else? Not for me. Love you guys. No, no, Be no. safe. Sweet. Love you guys. See you soon and Godspeed.